Hello, and welcome to another edition of the Hugh Fertility Centre podcast series, aimed at giving you an insight into what it is that we do here at the centre, as well as hopefully answering some of the questions you may have while looking forward to or undergoing fertility treatment. Over the next half hour, we'll be discussing New Year's resolutions and how lifestyle changes such as healthy eating or exercise can help you with your fertility issues. Hello, I'm joined today by Paul Malnaffy, biomedical andrologist and Pauline Green, consultant gynaecologist here at the Hugh Fertility Centre and we're going to be having a conversation for about half an hour on the topic of New Year's resolutions, you know, what can you do in the new year looking to a more healthy lifestyle, what can you do to improve your fertility or if you're already pregnant, what can you do to aid that pregnancy. So we'll get started. So to both of you, um, New Year's diets, New Year's resolutions going to be coming in, people are going to be making changes to their diet, to their lifestyle. Generally speaking, as far as fertility is concerned, what to eat and what not to eat. What's the good stuff, what's the bad stuff? Well, if I make a start, Paul, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I think that generally I've always said that if it's in a box, in a tin or in a packet, probably avoid it and if you can start with all your fresh ingredients... Um, ideally of course organic although except the the added expense of that but cook from all the basic ingredients Mm. and you can't go far wrong obviously with some of the um, uh, protein sources like chicken and turkey you have to be a little bit more careful particularly if you are careful that you're cooking thoroughly so that you're you're not putting yourself at risk of any food poisoning Um, this is getting less likely now with all the added checks that they put through. I mean, I think the the days of salmonella with chicken are, are pretty well over. Mm. Um, but it's just good common sense to cook through properly. Uh, if you're c- cooking a whole bird, make sure that you've, you've checked that the inner parts of the bird are thoroughly cooked. But I think the basic principles there is make sure that you're getting your fresh fruit, your fresh veg, your good quality protein and try and avoid the fast foods Mm. try and avoid the ready sources of sugars your biscuits your cakes they're just empty calories they really are not doing anything for you Um, soups are fantastic if you can make your own you can use your leftover ingredients whiz them all in together bob's your uncle fabulous meal so it's eating regularly eating good quality and trying to avoid packaged foods and I guess, Paul, you'd be agreeing yeah, with that. Yeah, total agreement. Um, I probably, whenever I'm talking to patients, um, I like to hark back quite a number of years and go back to the uh, good square meal. Essentially. Yeah. So yeah, if you yeah. look at your plate, you've got all the food groups represented there. Um, but as you say, prepared by yourself um, in proportions that are agreeable to you. Mm. I tend to suggest maybe also... Um, asking the patient to look at the size of the plate that they use, which seems a strange thing to say um, until you consider that a lot of people are brought up um, being handed uh, like a full plate of food yep. and to maybe try and kid your mind into thinking that you are receiving a full plate of food, you maybe look at the size of the plate that you use. Yep. But anyway, yeah, going back to a good square meal, uh, Paul and I... Um, did start a conversation off, we're yet to finish it actually, about how you can't um, kind of outrun or out-exercise uh, a bad diet. Um, oh yeah, that's a good point. I'm mm. known on the unit for doing a lot of cycling and a lot of running 
um, but I also know that my my diet needs a lot of of attention. Mm. Um, so yes, definitely. Um, foods to 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 include um, if you're a boy. Um, well, boy and girls really, I suppose, uh, vitamins and minerals, make sure you have plenty of those. We get asked all the time about uh, supplements. Uh, there's nothing necessarily wrong with supplements if you think as though you need them. Um, specifically for boys, supplements are vitamin E, vitamin C, hmm. zinc. But you would say if, if you have an aversion to taking supplements or if you feel like that's a bit of a non-natural way of doing it and you are trying to pursue more of a natural access to those vitamins, what foodstuffs would I be eating or drinking? Right, sure, yeah. Uh, so fruit and vegetables, uh, apples are surprisingly high in vitamin C. Okay. Uh, it shocked me when I found out many moons ago. <laughs> I thought it was just oranges. Um, dark green vegetables, um, kale, broccoli, that mm. kind of thing, uh, they would be good for, for iron. Um, Cassine is important because it will help you uh, kind of generate more red blood cells to help mm. um, any red blood cells that you've essentially tired out um, through exercise. Yeah. Um, how it relates to uh, fertility, again, a good a good diet um, will help uh, your 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 ability to perform exercise, and as I say, it will give you those essential vitamins and minerals which are referred to as essential and because your body can't store them. Mm. Um, which is why you need to, to kind of, I think it's why the five a day was first suggested. It's, it's not as though you can have uh, a healthy meal or a healthy weekend and then essentially bank those vitamins and minerals. You yeah, need to be eating them every single day because your body can't store them. Um, and even if you have a fantastically healthy meal uh, at the weekend, um, once the body is taken from it, what it needs, the rest will just be. Is it, would this be the same as kind of the effects? I've I've read a couple of articles recently about the effects of binge drinking. Mm -hmm. So if if you mm -hmm. must drink to spread it out over the space of a week, would be. And this is not in reference to fertility. This is just a general comparison to what you were just saying. Mm -hmm. It's better to stretch it out over the week rather than to just go crazy on a Saturday and your body having to recover from the assault of that. Or well, I think both are, are wrong. I mean, regular drinking within the limits is is okay but it's a cumulative effect every mm. drink that you take puts a stress on the liver the liver has to um, metabolize that alcohol mm. using its enzymes and um, it's it sometimes gets overloaded so this is why we're seeing alcohol problems in particularly the middle classes because of all the interest now in designer beers designer wines mm -hmm. all the new gins coming out when you when you look on the shelves it's overwhelming it used to be gordon's gin i think in the old days and now there's about 50 gins gin that is, are all, very gin much is very much well, in that, it. that leads us on to that question of of alcohol when um obviously i think it's widely known that drinking while pregnant is a, a big no-no but i don't think many people consider drinking whilst trying to become pregnant or trying to conceive being that much of an issue well, don't forget your sperm has been made all the time, mm. so alcohol's a toxin. We are born as females with all the eggs we're going to have, and we've got to remember that we don't want to damage them. So I think everything that we do in life is a choice, isn't it? So mm. it, everything in moderation, looking after yourself, because you are what you eat, you are what you put in, and if you keep putting toxins in, 
it's going to potentially have an effect on, on your own health. And if you are unhealthy, then you're understandably going to be less likely to, to be fertile. Um, I, th I think, you know, there's always exceptions to the rules. So we, we see people often comment, it's not fair. I know drug addicts who are getting pregnant so easily. Yeah. I know alcoholics who are getting pregnant. And of course that's the case. But there are also damaged children because of the effects of these toxins during yeah. pregnancy. How much influence that has during the time of conception when the embryo, the early embryo, is going through the process of you know, embedding in the uterus and the nutrition that it's getting in those very early stages. I don't think it's it's going to be easy to quantify that. I mean, mm. there's a lot of research that is going on about what is happening at, at the time of conception and the influences of drugs, particularly. Um, but it's 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 just common sense, I think. Mm. One has to take a pragmatic approach to this and say, look after yourself eat well, avoid toxins. And certainly the other thing that, remembering just touching on it there, is if you're on regular medication, see your GP and make sure that these medications are safe. And if you're taking over, going you know, to treat a cough cold, always talk to the pharmacist if you're trying or could be in early stages of pregnancy. Always, always check to make sure that it's safe and can't have that adverse effect. Okay. Went a bit off topic there, but no, um, that's fine. That's, that's 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 what we're trying to do. Um, so moving on a little bit, um, exercising. After we spoke about the diet, we spoke about the good, the bad, and then the next obviously logical step that a lot of people will be making is to sign up with the gym, start exercising, dust the bike off, dust the running shoes off, see what if you can shed the the winter pounds. Um, so exercising with fertility is it good? Is it bad? Too much? Too little? It's better. It is. It's very definitely better. Um, Again, and I can understand why um, a lot of frustration uh, and a lot of confusion exists. Um, we rely on, uh, we, we in the fertility business, in the scientific business, rely on research that's, that's undertaken. And that research gets published uh, in, in journals uh, that are accessed by other uh, medical staff and other scientists. Uh, by way of communicating information and trying to get the best thing uh, for the patient. Now, unfortunately, these journal articles will then get picked up by the popular press and uh, reported, not in, in the wrong kind of way, but they'll get reported perhaps a couple of weeks or a couple of months after another study which will have uh, presented information from the wrong angle mm. or from a differing, uh, from a different angle, yeah, yeah. let's say. Okay, so uh, exercise, exercise is better. There's a lot of research to suggest which exercise is good and which exercise is bad. And certainly from a male point of view, um, for instance, cycling is deemed as not the greatest of exercise to, to take. But I'd like to pick up on something that Pauline said just before about everything in moderation. Okay, so the reason why um, cycling, and uh, to a certain extent running as well, is deemed as being not great for your fertility is because of heat production. Mm. Okay, so heat produc production around uh, the area of the testes. Now, uh, the testes hang from your body for a reason. Okay, so uh, the body operates at around about 37 degrees uh, Celsius, whereas the ideal temperature for sperm production is a degree or two lower than that. Mm. Okay, 
Now, if you uh, do exercise of a particular type or too much of it, in the case of cycling, then it's thought that those, um, the heat around the testicles is, is too hot for, for sperm production. Um, sperm production will either become inefficient or, or will shut down. Um, a lot of the scientific literature out there is obviously frustrated, is, is to a certain extent um, skewed because of, of two things. A lot of the studies that take place around exercise and male fertility either happen with elite athletes, okay, uh, who to a certain extent it could be argued do too much mm -hmm. exercise, or they find uh, research has been undertaken in a centre like ours and the cohorts of people that we're looking at have been referred to us because them and their partner have been finding it difficult to conceive. Mm -hmm. Okay, so what I mean by that is I guess there aren't enough studies that will take a thousand people from the general population and see how, how that works. Okay, so again, possibly a little bit off topic, but um, essentially for, from the male point of view, there's a lot of studies to say that uh, aerobic and a resisting and um, resistant Resistance, Resistance training, training yeah. is uh, the best form of exercise uh, you can take to have a positive effect on you mm -hmm. uh, and a positive effect on uh, your fertility. Yeah. There are other benefits, not necessarily from just a, a, a physiological level. Of course, exercise makes you feel better and increases your libido, mm -hmm. makes you uh, lose weight. Um, and again, tied in with some of the other aspects that we've talked about recently, uh, will help with your fertility. Yeah. So, again, everything mm -hmm. in moderation. Mm -hmm. But there are some sports you'd say better, some sports slightly worse. So swimming, yeah, maybe a little bit better. Yep, swimming. As long as the water's not too warm. Yes. Yeah, uh, cycling, maybe not as much. But generally speaking, a little bit, not too much, and kind of... Yes, definitely. Yeah, yeah, anything anything is better than nothing. Yeah. And I think there's, a, there's also the element that if you're used to doing a lot of exercise and you're well with that and your body's used to it, mm. then that's fine. I, I think if, if you were trying to get pregnant and you decided that you wanted to run the marathon and you're going to suddenly put in a huge amount of exercise, yeah. that's probably not ideal. Whereas if you've always been uh, an endurance um, athlete, then... You're probably okay, but I would still say cut down on on the endurance. I've I've spoken to people who, you know, who choose to do a half marathon at the weekend and 10k every night, and they're mm. in the, the the gym, and that's too much. That's yeah. putting an em enormous strain. Every very healthy, of course, and they're probably extremely fit, but that's taking a lot of the nutrition. Um, and, and it's not really allowing the body to function and often it would upset the menstrual cycle, inhibit ov ovulation, which we've seen in a lot of the elite um, Olympic level so do you think that's Do you think that's due to a, a kind of the, the body tells itself that it's not in the, the kind of, for lack of a better word, the motherly state? Yeah, it's more yeah. in a kind of a performance, the yes. working state. I think that's of, a good yeah. way of looking so at it. Just and just, just cutting down a bit, just, yeah. just allowing the body... A bit more time to um, mm. function in in its other yeah. ways, if you like. So if I if I'm if I'm a person who does almost no exercise, trying to boost fertility, maybe you know yoga once a week, maybe just an an hour, maybe two hours in the gym once a week or something like that, perfectly fine. It's going to increase my fertility. I'm so slightly without ever doing walking. It. So yeah. simple yeah, exercise. Go for a walk. Mm. Buy a dog. Yeah. 
or do one of these walk my puppy there's there's Ooh. things where you know yeah, you can hire a dog um, yeah. Yeah. and and go for a walk and that can be any time of the day of course mm. and going out in the fresh air it's a feel good factor yes. as well it helps mm. with the stress um taking the stairs instead of the lift it's it's just simple things can improve your your general health um, and entering a pregnancy it's good to be healthy yeah. because again well, you're wanting to give them the the best mm new homes that's a that, good so thing you touched on there in the kind of like the happy factor you yes. know if, if you exercise more you're in a better mood maybe your body starts to release endorphins obviously correct. that's going to have a positive effect yes. on on your fertility as well correct very yeah. interesting okay we're well, moving on a little bit more um we'll you know we'll assume that we've had our fertility treatment it's been successful we've been able to conceive maybe we are pregnant coming into the new year or maybe we are about to become pregnant but we still want to keep exercise and we still want to keep living healthy for the sake of the healthy pregnancy again how much is too much you know should we be doing any at all absolutely you should exercise in pregnancy because that's really important for um general well-being in pregnancy and reduces well people who exercise correctly and moderately and not over-exercising obviously um, have better chances of having a healthy baby and a healthy delivery their, their muscles work well for when it comes to the time of delivery um, I think that one of the things we perhaps haven't touched on just yet before entering pregnancy try and reach the right BMI so we should course, be yeah. in the healthy BMI range. So we've talked about losing the few pounds after Christmas. But if you are carrying weight and you're over the normal BMI, that will reduce your chances of conception. Mm -hmm. But it will also increase your risk of the, all the complications of pregnancy. Mm -hmm. So getting down to the normal weight for height or the healthy weight for height is, is absolutely a positive goal before you get think, pregnant. And BMI is a very important phrase, and you're right to say we haven't touched on it, and I think a lot of people make the confusion um, of thinking that just generally losing weight is a good thing when skipping meals and, you know, no. is, is not healthy in any way, no. shape or form. So BMI no. is obviously something that's didn't even you know it wasn't it wasn't a phrase widely known up until fairly recently mm -hmm. I think for a lot of people and it is probably the more important point to stress particularly obviously if we're having a conversation about IVF NHS funding through IVF will only be if you're under a certain BMI yeah, um, yeah. you've got to be under 30 a BMI which is still actually hmm. in the overweight range but so between 19 and 25 is considered a normal BMI. Now there's going to be the exceptions to the rules, so people who perhaps are um, in sports such as rugby for instance, they, they may be uh, really heavy for their height, but it's all muscle and mm. it's all really mm. healthy weight. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so there will always be those slight exceptions to, mm. to the rule, but as a general, just, just a guide that you, you, you want to have and you can get your, your BMI charts online. It's it's really mm. simple just to say, right, this is my height, this is my weight, am I in the green range mm -hmm. between 19 and 25? Um, the NHS will fund up to a BMI of 29.9, so just under the 30. Yeah. Um, so it, it allows for leeway uh, mm. with that. But the reason for that is that it's not as successful 
if the BMI is higher than that. So with the NHS being really strapped for funds, it's wanting to make the best investment and give you the best chances. And actually, just losing weight often, you get pregnant naturally without any of that. So I think the first thing is, before we we get to the pregnancy, make sure that you're, again, entering that pregnancy Mm -hmm. with, with your right weight. And then maintaining your weight... The, the so-called ideal is a, a 10k, 10 kilogram um, weight gain during pregnancy. Mm-hmm. I think that's as rare as hen's teeth to do that. It's, yeah. um, and a lot of women just go back to that eating for two. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. you know, it's a it was a yeah. probably a pre war thing, um, you know, looking after or even maybe during the war, just grab the food when you've got it because food so, wasn't yeah. as plentiful then. Mm. Um and we and had a to look after the food as well, Absolutely. obviously less saturated fats, yes, less yeah. salts, less yes, sugars, things exactly. like that. Exactly. It's yeah. all these and it comes back to what I said, if it's in mm. a packet, it's got all these additives in it. Yeah. Whereas sure. if you if yeah. you and in the old days they didn't have packaging. Mm. of food they didn't have all this plastic wrap around the broccoli they just and I think I think now as well I think the old argument used to be I know you know my parents have probably said that you know it's, it's too expensive to eat healthy to eat oh, fresh food and fresh rubbish. food and it is it oh. is it is a cop-out I think isn't it yeah, and we a cop-out that I'm sure I've probably been guilty <laughs> of and other people have but you know, it's not as ex- it's nowhere near as expensive to probably eat healthy now as it might have been in the past. I'll give if you that a little ever, example uh, of this. I went to Tesco. I shouldn't say the name, but I did go to Tesco the other day, and they have um, a, a crate of fresh vegetables with the sell-by date today. Mm. And I picked up some, at the, and they were pristine runner beans, mm-hmm. 11p. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 11p. The cauliflowers on the shelf were a pound. The cauliflowers in this basket were 49p. Mm-hmm. I, so you know, to say it's... Yeah, just go it's and look, go and shop. In any of the local supermarkets, they still have co-op do the uh, still still good range yeah, or something. Yeah, and, yeah. you know, you can go and pick up this beautiful food, all fresh ingredients... For a fraction of the cost. Yeah, I, I don't think there's anything in my fridge without a yellow reduced label. No, on, I don't you know, think so. I think, <laughs> I think it's difficult though because we're also facing um, a kind of a consumer world that also wants us to consider quantifying how much our time is worth, as though time is money. Yeah. Uh, the the yeah. mantra of the 80s and 90s. Um, but it's worth spending that time, that money, as you say, to, to prepare fresh. There's, there's uh, a lot of things coming back around again. Uh, we recently invested in uh, a slow cooker. Again, not new technology, mm-hmm. um, especially at winter. You've got your kind of casseroles or your kind of, to be quite local, you've got your scouse. Mm-hmm. Uh, that you can, you can, mm-hmm. As long as you prepare it whenever you want to prepare it, you can set the timer, come home yeah. uh, and straight away have fresh food instead of, uh, instead of the kids having to wait half an hour an hour, mm. complaining, 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 mm-hmm. give them a snack, keep mm. them quiet, that kind of thing. Um, so all of these things are out there, we just need to... And it's good, but you know, you, you say something like Scouse, I think habitually people would have thought that that was a bit of a no-no, you know, it's it's fatty, it's that kind of thing, but if you prepare it yourself, it's Absolutely. essentially just quite lean meat with mm-hmm. vegetables yes. and, and broth, it's, it's, you know, it's it's a, it's a thickened soup, as yes. you say before, yeah. so yeah. everything within moderation. Um, well, that's brilliant, guys. I think we're going to wrap it up there. We touched on pretty much everything that uh, we needed to. 
Um, we'll be doing these series of podcasts every single month, so keep an eye out for the one in the future. Thanks for joining us.